Praise God. Well, today I'm going to do the penultimate part of the series that we've been in, which is messages in the miracles. So just this week and next week left to go, Wendy's on the grand finale uh, next Sunday to this series. But um, really enjoyed doing this series and really enjoyed um, just getting our eyes again on how big and how awesome God is and just believing and praying for fresh faith to, to be stirred in the room. And I wanted to kick off this week with a quote that if you're anything like me when I first read it, it takes a minute or two to land when you first read it and think about uh, what it means. I tested it out on my wife last night, um, yesterday morning, sorry, to see how long it might take to land. And it was very quick, so see how long it takes to land here. Just give it a little bit of thought. It took me a little minute or two to get my head around. It's by Dr. Adrian Rogers. He said this, As Christians, we have no right to be believed as long as we can be explained. Now, I think to best understand that quote, we need to set it within the context of a thought that's been shared many times consistently through this series, which is simply this, that God wants to make you an advert of his power and goodness, a testimony, a living testimony. God on display through your life. And I believe the point of the quote is simply this, that people who don't know Jesus need to see and hear of things in Christians' lives that are totally unexplainable apart from God. Because if they can explain everything in our life, then they would say, well, why is there any need to believe in God? Because there are certain things in anyone's life that can make things happen. Finances can make things happen. Connections can make things happen. Uh, education can make things happen. And they are explainable things. But one of the reasons I want to encourage us to believe for more of the miraculous is because that's unexplainable. We suddenly begin to move into something that when we point to it, there's no other way that could have happened but for God. And so actually, when we see an increase of the miraculous, I believe actually uh, the adverts that we are of God's power and goodness, the, 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 the fact that we're a walking, living testimony begins to kind of take on even greater impact all around us. And when I want us to expand our miraculous thinking, you know, I remember Georgie talking about let's not just confine the miraculous to the physical. Of course, it absolutely includes the physical, but I believe, I'm pretty sure that there's a room full of people here who can point to things in their life and say, that's totally unexplainable, but for God. What God done. And so you're an advert of His goodness. And so encouraging us to believe for more miracles, because miracles put God on display. We know that Jesus talks about these signs shall follow those who believe. And we know we've heard before that signs point to something. And so the miraculous, there is a sign, and that sign is pointing where? To God. And so we want to see more signs and wonders as ways that we are pointing people to God. This is totally unexplainable apart from Him. The definition of a miracle according to dictionary.com, uh, an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers 
and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. I think I've got that definition there, hopefully. Um, such an effect or event manifesting or considered as a work of God. And then the source of all knowledge, Wikipedia. Um, an extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicable. That just simply means capable of being explained by natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. And so the miraculous is putting God on display. The miraculous is showcasing him. It's putting his name up in lights. It's pointing people, as I've already said in Mark chapter 16, signs. It's pointing people to him, to his reality. Stories where things that have happened that are unexplainable apart from him. Now, I want to share with you today a story from the Bible that is unexplainable. Now, that presents me with a slight quandary because as a preacher, I'm supposed to try and explain what Scripture is saying. Actually, this is an unexplainable miracle and it presents me with that challenge and all I can say to you as we look at it today is I can't explain how it happened, but I do believe there are some great lessons from it about why it happened. What triggered the miracle? And I want you to go in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 10, and I want to talk today about the day the sun stood still. Joshua chapter 10. Now the backdrop to this story is that Joshua, who's the leader of Israel, and, and so he and the nation have got themselves in a covenant relationship with Gibeon. That's uh, a people, and that's another whole story in itself. It shouldn't have really happened. It was a deceptive thing. But anyway, they're in a covenant. Uh, Joshua finds himself in this covenant. And uh, they now, that now means that Gibeon's enemies have become Israel's enemies and friends, friends, etc. And straight away, immediately off the bat, the covenant is put to the test as five notoriously powerful kings form an alliance and decide they're going to go and attack Gibeon. And so they form this alliance to go and attack Gibeon. And Gibeon calls upon Joshua and he calls upon Israel. You need to come and fight for us. You need to come and fight with us. And on the strength of the covenant, because covenants are incredibly powerful things uh, in, through the Bible, on the strength of that covenant, uh, Joshua and the army rise and go to be in the battle with Gibeon. And that's where we join the story. Joshua 10. Now, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city. Like one of the royal cities, it was larger than Ai. And all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to all those names of those other kings. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jamath, Lakshish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marked up, marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. Now, as it alludes to in verse 1, this was not Joshua's first rodeo. He and the nation had already been in significant uh, battles, 
uh, where seemingly things were against the odd. They've already been in fights and battles up to this point. They had crossed over into the land, were promised land with a mandate from God to relentlessly keep moving forward in faith, to keep pressing on. You see, friends, I think there's a simple truth in that, and I'm sure you'd have heard it before, but between where you are and where all that God has for you is, there will always be opposition. There will always be battles between where you are and coming into all that God has for you because the enemy don't want you to get there. So he's always going to kick off. There's always going to be fights to be fought, battles to be involved in, problems and opposition along the way. I'm really cheering you up this morning, aren't I? Moving forward in God's purposes and plans always stirs up the enemy. Now the truth is, up until this point in time, Joshua's story has been a bit of a mixed bag. Because there's the highs of Jericho and then there's the lows of the defeat at Ai. And it references the victory at Ai, but that was second time around after they stuffed it up pretty spectacularly. And so it's been a real mixed bag. There's been highs and there's been lows. I love the fact, though, they're back in the fight. Back in the fight. See, I believe it's an important lesson even for that, that God wants us to learn never to rest on past victories and never to be paralyzed by past defeats. Just like, whoa, we're awesome. Keep moving forward. Oh, my life has all gone wrong. Keep moving forward. Keep moving on. Joshua and Israel were now facing a powerful alliance. They had a big problem. Anyone in the house today got or ever had a big problem? I'm looking to see if any husbands or wives are looking at each other at this point in time. I trust not. And I love how God, well, it's so simple, but God knows us better than anyone. And I love that in the face of big problems, God immediately speaks into that situation because he knows what the first natural reaction often is in the face of a big problem. And that's fear. And so in verse 8, Joshua, uh, the Lord says to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of the big problem that's staring at you, that's in front of you. Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. I love the fact that God immediately off the bat sought to encourage them. What you see as a problem is actually going to be an opportunity. God begins speaking victory. God begins speaking encouragement into their heart. I said this earlier on, that quote that I read the other day, that every miracle in the Bible first started as a problem. I don't want that to be a glib, kind of just, yeah, preacher talk, throwaway thing. But no matter what the problem is that we are facing today, it is an opportunity for a miracle. And consistently through the Bible, we see problems where God worked miraculous, unexplainable situations. That encourages me today that when I can't get my head around how it can possibly work out, when I can't figure out how it's going to change, when I can't see how this can possibly come to pass, God is able. God can do the unexplainable as we're about to see in this story. 
The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Verse 8, now going on, verse 9. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them all the way along the road up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekar and Makedar. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekar, the Lord hurled large hailstones on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Wow. Next page, please, Jess. Thank you. And on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. That's what you'd have prayed as well, isn't it? God, just hit the pause button on night and day, please. Just hold the sun right there in the sky. Hold the moon over there. Extend the day. And hold back the night. I mean, that's where we'd have all naturally gone in that, mo- that moment in time. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as is written in the book of Jashar. That was a, a historical book, believed to be a historical book, set to, to, to music. It told the stories of historical things that were factually recorded. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. God kept the lights on for 24 hours hours there's never been a day like it before or since a day when the lord listened to a human being surely the lord was fighting for israel let me share three things with you they won't take me too long and in fact there'll probably be more reminders than anything fresh today but i hope and pray that they encourage you number one for faith for the unexplainable we need to hear god's voice When you read about Joshua, he was a man of prayer. He was a man who would inquire of God. He was a man who we're told in Exodus chapter 33 when he was hanging around with his mentor Moses and they would go into the tent of meeting where the presence of God was, where they would talk with God, it says about Exodus 33, where Moses would commune with God in that place in Exodus 33 and God would speak to them. Verse 11 tells us Moses would go out of the tent and leave the tent and go back to the camp. And it goes on to say, but Joshua would stay in there. He was a man who loved the presence of God. He prized the presence of God. Gilgal wasn't just the army headquarters. Actually, we see it significantly appear at times through the story of Joshua. There he would pray. There he would inquire of God. Friends, time in the presence of God is crucial and critical to hearing the voice of God. So I said, I'm just reminding you of simple truth. And hearing the voice of God is crucial for faith, for the miraculous. You know where I'm going. You know some of the scriptures I'm about to quote at you. Because Romans 10 tells us faith comes by what? Hearing comes by hearing and what do we have to hear for that faith to come it goes on to tell us the word of God written and spoken as we read our Bible it's what initiates faith as God speaks into our situation it's what initiates faith and that's why I've been in some situations and I've faced a situation and I I haven't got a word for God on that situation and then I've been in other situations where you face it and you've got a word from God and you just know you feel faith in your heart you just feel faith because you this God this is what you 
have spoken. And so we see a confidence in Joshua that's rooted in hearing God's voice and standing on his promises. He heard a word. Verse 8, we highlighted it. And what did he do? Straight away, they're on the move. You see, friends, you could put it like this. We get our marching orders from the word. He was on the move. As soon as he got that word from God, you know, he was up. He was on the move. God's speaking into his situation. Because, and he's marching up, it says. I'm jumping all around in my notes here. Right into the battle. Sorry, he was on the move. God spoke into his situation. Now he goes right into the battle. That's what I should have said. Right into the fight. Right into the enemy's camp. I don't know if I put this quote up there. I think I've missed it, but I heard it. It says, before you charge hell with a water pistol, before you engage the enemy, you need a word from God. So hearing God's voice is where we get our confidence for the fight. And so time in his presence and time in prayer is crucial. And verse 9 tells us they marched, quote, all night. And it says they marched, quote, up. Now, if you read commentators, they talk about it was around a 15-mile uphill march through the night. Now, if we'd been marching, if I'd have marched you guys tonight for 15 miles through the night up a hill, and we kind of arrived to where we wanted to be, what would have been the first thing you'd have been hoping I'd have said to you? Chill, guys. I mean, get some rest. You know, build up your energy levels again. Just rest for a little while. Just kind of restore kind of, you know, your energy and everything. Get, grab some food. Get some sleep. Naturally, you'd, you'd be hoping I'd be saying that because naturally, I'm pretty sure we'd be shattered after that. Yet, Joshua, it says, took them in verse 9 by surprise. They literally marched 15 miles through the night up a hill straight into the fight. Straight into the fight. Now, I've got two thoughts on that. One I'm going to share in a minute and this. But one I'll share in a minute and one I'll share now. I believe it's hearing God's voice and knowing His Word that gives you supernatural energy for the fight. They were being sustained by the Word of God. What God spoke into them. That naturally go, actually they're straight into the fight. It's sustaining them. Friends, God's voice doesn't just keep us going, it energizes us. It's crucial that we get time in His presence and time in prayer. So firstly, faith rises and unexplainable things happen when we hear God's voice. Secondly, for faith of the unexplainable, work with God, don't just wait for Him. Work with Him, don't just wait for Him. Verse 9 through to 11. You can read that there. But I want to highlight a couple of things. Verse 10 says, and quote, who threw them into confusion? The Lord threw them into confusion. Verse 11, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky. Verse 14, the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. I really want to encourage you today that when you face big problems, if you put your faith in God and begin to respond to the things that he's saying, he will be fighting for you. He is always fighting for you. Now Joshua is down there swinging away, and I'm coming back to that in a minute. Joshua is down there swinging away, but Joshua is not alone. Sometimes we just need to hear that when you're in the thick of the battle. You are not alone. You can't always see all the grand purposes of what God is working out and what God is doing, but trust me on this, God is fighting for you. God is fighting in there. And I love how it says in verse 11, 
The Lord hurled down large hailstones, and more of them died from hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. No one got to turn around and go, wow, my sword was sharp. Wow, I was, I was so good on that thing. I, I killed so many people. Look at the great victory we've run. Friend, one. Friends, this story is a great reminder that the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. My part is to trust Him and have my faith in Him. The battle is the Lord's. I just love the fact that by doing it that way, all the glory, all the credit was going to the right place. We didn't do it. We done something. We weren't fighting alone. We were fighting with God. And God was fighting with us. Romans 8 verse 31 says, If God is for us, come on, And Romans 8 verse 37 says, We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Now, did God work the miracle? Absolutely. I've just quoted you several things that God done. But did Joshua chill out on the sidelines cheering God on? No. He's out there swinging. He's on the move. He's bringing his own efforts to the table. He's not sitting back and waiting for things to happen. And I'm sure you'd have heard it before, but throughout this story we see something that theologians call the divine cooperative or the human cooperative. How many people here this morning believe that God is sovereign and God can do anything He wants to? We need a high view of the sovereignty of God. That He doesn't need me as such. You know, He doesn't need me to win His battles. He can do anything He wants. But friends, I believe there's a truth in this. He expects me to be engaged in the fight. He expects me to be in it, not just sitting on the sidelines. God, here's my big problem. I'm just going to do nothing and wait on you just to sort this out. But I need to be in the fight. Sometimes, and I have to say this carefully, if you hold such an extreme view of, (laughs) yeah, I really want to be careful how I word this. Okay, let me put it this way. We mustn't let the truth that God is sovereign cause us to think we don't need to pray, worship, fight, obey be on the move because yes God fights for us but he doesn't just fight for us he fights through us and with us he is always fighting for me but he wants me friends the truth is there are some miracles God is actually waiting on me to join him in the fight for. Thirdly, for faithfully unexplainable, we need to be encouraged again to pray some big prayers. Verse 12, verse 3 to 14. I've highlighted it already with a bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but I mean, that is a big prayer. And you know what stood out to me? is the fact that it said he prayed it in the presence of all Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but... When there are some of them really big things that I think, man, if I say that, they're probably going to think I'm a bit out there. I tend to pray my big prayers probably quietly and to myself. Yet Joshua, sustained and encouraged by that word, not like, look at me, but stands up in front of all the guys and says, sun stand still, moon stay over there. I mean, that is a big audacious prayer. I want to encourage some of us again to pray big prayers. 
And there's a beautiful simplicity that's running through the heart of this story. That we've got God speaking to Joshua in Joshua verse eight, uh, 10 verse 8. And in verse 12, lying right at the heart of this, it just simply says, Joshua said to the Lord. I mean, the simplicity of it is so beautiful. God is speaking to Joshua. Joshua is speaking to God. And unexplainable things begin to happen. I don't really know what else to say apart from the more we hear his voice and the more we love his presence and spend time with him in prayer, the more is going to happen. I don't mean that guarantees every outcome we always want. I'll come on to that in a moment because I'm not riding over that. But I'm just saying that, friends, I believe that the, 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 the productivity of presence and prayer, time with God, Him speaking to you, and you speaking to Him, always lies at the heart of the unexplainable and the miraculous. I'm not saying there's X amount of hours that you must pray to guarantee your miracle. I don't like that. You know, I remember someone saying, well, if that's the case, teach me how many hours and I'll pray that many hours. It's not, it's not about that. But I just can't see how the miraculous is birthed outside of prayer and presence. In my life and through my life, I'm talking about. Of course, God's done things outside of me. There's this moment when Joshua prays this big prayer. And seemingly his, prayer, his problems actually got bigger at the time he prays it because he's facing a powerful enemy. He's running out of daylight. They've marched all night. They've fought all day. He's not wasted a second. Now he's running out of time. Victory's slipping away. Ever felt that in the face of a big problem? I'm running out of time. It's getting away from me. I don't see how this is going to come to pass. But his problem, his response to his big problem is a big prayer. God, lengthen the day. Keep the lights on. How many people know He's asking God to do something impossible. Some have tried to explain what happened next. Let me give you a few of their theories. Suggesting that maybe the sun just stopped shining while it was an eclipse. But verse 12 tells us clearly the sun and moon were on different horizons. Others suggest God slowed the earth's normal rotation. Others that sunlight was refracted, given unusual additional hours of light. Others say maybe it was just poetic. Like, it's been a long day. I never thought it was going to end. All I do know, and I'm no boff, but I do understand that the sun doesn't actually move across the sky. Some people are like, really? Really? But the earth is revolving around it. And the earth's rotating is giving the appearance of it moving. And so if that's the case, well, then it's suggesting that God has stopped the earth spinning. He stopped its, it stopped its rotation. Now, this is where my mind begins to blow. Because if I try and begin to get my head around it, I mean, the earth's on the move at about 1,000 miles per hour. So if God suddenly hits the brakes, how many people know that's going to be carnage? I mean, there's people and buildings going everywhere. I remember Jeff Trimmingham talking about people sliding into the sea. You know, when he talked about this. If God hits the brakes at 1,000 miles an hour, you're going to know about it. And I mean, we don't even see them falling over. They're fighting. It's causing all sorts of cosmic problems. So here's where I got to. How did God do it? You ready? No idea. It's unexplainable. It just tells me how big my God is. It tells me that if he created the heavens and the earth, 
Surely he can stop them, start them, and keep them going. Joshua prayed a big prayer because he caught a glimpse of how big God is. I'm nearly done. It teaches me that God answers impossible prayers. God can change impossible situations. That he's fighting for me. That it teaches me even when I feel like I'm running out of options, strength, and time, he can step in. That even in my lowest moments, I can pray some of my biggest and boldest prayers. Being honest, and I, I really am nearly done. There are times when we pray for the sun to stand still and it sets. And as we've heard, many people really put so much better than I have ever done. That it's in those dark moments when the sun sets that all we can do is just trust God. And just as surely as we know the sun sets, the sun rises again. It will come up again. Brighter days are coming around the corner. And there's a, another quote here that may take a little minute. But when you think about it, I think there's a lot of helpful truth in it that helped me. Tim Keller said something about when we pray about situations, they don't turn out as we hope. He says, when you pray, God will either give you what you ask for, or he will give you what you should have asked for if you knew everything he knows. Just helped me. Because sometimes you just think to yourself, man, that didn't work out. Is my faith broken? No, it's not broken. It's just we don't know all he knows. But I absolutely believe God always hears and always answers those prayers. I don't know. I can't always guarantee what it's going to look like, but he absolutely hears. He's fighting for you. He's fighting for you. Sometimes it might look like, as we've heard before, he stills a storm. Sometimes it's the peace to carry you through the storm. Sometimes it's, I need this provision. Sometimes it looks like contentment. <laughs> it's, I just want to encourage you again, Van Patrick, you can come back. Please don't let past experiences define and limit your future expectations. He's a big God working out a big plan in ways that blows our mind. But for me, verse 14 is perhaps the greatest miracle of all. Because it says, there's never been a day like it before or since a day when the Lord listened to a human being, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. You know, as I pondered upon that, this story so encourages me that somehow an awesome, holy, all-knowing, all-powerful God bends his ear to this part of the world, to Kings Lynn, to a village called Clenchwarton, to a house on Church Road, and listens to me. And listens to you. And it encourages me again to believe my prayers have influence with God. And to pray and to keep on praying. And it encourages me to still not give up on praying impossible, big, sun stand still prayers. Perhaps the greatest miracle in the message of Joshua 10 is this. God hears you. If you've got big problems, be encouraged. Pray big prayers because God can do big miracles. Unexplainable things can happen. Be encouraged this morning as you read this story and consider your need. Your God is the God who can make the sun stand still. And Joshua says to them in verse 25, as they come off the back of this incredible, unexplainable, miracle, victory, breakthrough, and they're about to go on and press on again towards the purposes and plans. And Joshua knows there's going to be other battles to fight. And there's going to be other problems we're going to face. 
He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You only say that if you know that's the temptation. The natural response of fear. But be strong and courageous. And he points them to what happened. And he said, this is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you're going to fight. You know, sometimes, friends, fresh faith is stirred by simply beginning to remember the miraculous things God has already done for us. And as we seek to move forward, we have to remind ourselves of the things we've seen God do before. Because let me tell you, the enemy will focus you on the things where it didn't work out. But as we seek to move forward, we need to remind ourselves of the miraculous things in all their different uh, you know, ways of what we've seen God do. Stories of God's help in the past give us hope for the present and hope for the future. My God, your God, is the God who can make the sun stand still. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? We'll send for our children. They'll come through. We're going to close with a final song. And then Claire's going to come and bring the notices to us. But Lord, I just want to pray. I just want to pray a big dose of divine encouragement into every heart in this room. Lord, I just want to pray that you will encourage us under the sound of your word this morning that, God, we would just pray for that divine encouragement. Lord, that would just come afresh into our hearts, that something of fresh faith would just be stirred, that, Lord, we don't deny where it's things have been difficult, but, Lord, nor do we want to be defined by it. We come to you today and say we believe you're the God who can make the sun stand still. We believe you're the God of the impossible. We believe you're a big God. We believe that nothing is too difficult for you. And Lord, as we fix our eyes on you, God, I just pray, faith, fresh faith, fresh hope will rise in our hearts. Lord, we pray today, we want to see more of the miraculous. We want to see more of you at work in our lives. So that people are seeing breakthrough and change, but also so that an unbelieving world is saying, wow, have you heard what Jesus is doing? Lord, we want you to be on display in this family. Lord, we want you to be on display in our lives, in our workplaces, and Lord God, amongst our friends and amongst our families. We want to be walking, living adverts of your goodness and your power. Lord, so we just pray, we just ask you, we just invite you. Lord, would there be, we pray for and ask for, an increase of miracles. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing, let's close, let's get our children in and thank you.